Welcome back to another episode of the Man Day Podcast. I'm here as always with Ben Krush. Uh, I'm Ryan Kahn's, and we are just uh, excited. We got a lot of great feedback this this last episode, and and it seems like over the last few episodes we have great feedback. So, uh, thank you, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to go through a couple of those. But Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Good. You know, I was just telling someone the podcast is starting to become like a thing for people. And what I mean by that is like, for us, it was kind of always just a hobby. Yeah. And people ask me, the number one question I get is like, how and why do you do it? And I tell everyone the same thing. I say, look, I'm, I'm a podcast enthusiast, so I just love good podcasts. So I'm always trying to challenge myself to make this a good podcast. But number two, which is most important, Ryan, is this is therapy for me. Like I'm just, I'm the first person that gets to hear these people's story. Yeah. I feel a little bit selfish. And then I'm the one that gets to hear it like three or four times before it goes back out. Yeah. And I'm always thinking like, how can we make this better? Where can, who, who do we need to add into the, into the roster to make sure people are listening? And now like people are listening and they're finding us organically right. rather than like through our boring social media plan that we have. Yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of fun and honestly, it's just, it's humbling. Um, I, I mean, I think everybody kind of knows that's listening for a while, but I, I came on about, you know, second season and was, I was a guest and then I was huge mandate fan, you know, listened consistently and was, was always excited to come out. So honestly, just kind of a dream come true for me to be, be on it. It's been a lot of fun, uh, but it's really been fun to get the texts and the messages and, and especially with like, you know, going back to like Matt Jensen's episode, we yeah. had a lot of people that reached out and I really appreciate Matt Jensen's shared, shared that too. Uh, and that's really, that's really how we get traction. So, um, please, if you're listening to this, we really do mean it. If you like, and share our, our episodes, it's only going to reach more people. So thank you so much for those of you that share. Yeah, huge. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. And that's, if you text me or Ryan, we, first of all, we're always going to say thank you and be thankful, but I'm going to tell you guys right now, one, when you text us, you email us, you share it on your social media. And you share like why someone should listen to this episode. That's rocket fuel for Ryan yeah. and us and, and myself. Like it is when people are inspired or their lives change or like I've never thought of it this way. That's huge. When you text us, we're going to say the same thing to you. Will you please post that on social media? Yeah. And, yeah. and here's a link. And here's why people should should listen. Because a lot of our listeners like we do the same marketing for every single episode pretty much. and We're trying to change that a little bit. But I have to be completely honest, like people listen, new listeners come from you guys. They don't come from us. Right. So right. man, for you, you people that have done that, um, I think of like a, a couple super fans, uh, Joe Moen, who owns Origin yes. Strength, yeah. um, has been a super fan. He likes a lot of our stuff. Um, Apollonia, who has been yep. a guest, like she's always liking and reposting. Um, our friends over at the, um, isn't it? Is it not lovely podcast? Lovely? Yeah, yeah, Tracy, um, Rachel. They are super fans and like us and encourage us. Um, and then we have just kind of these smaller little people that that not small people by any means, but people that'll just kind of check in every once in a while. Troy Klongerbo, he owns Fisheye Marketing in town, has has jumped on to a couple of the uh, our recent guests. We've got some heavy hitters uh, that we just posted and another you know, coming up uh, or probably right on the heels of this one. Uh, and so really appreciate you guys when you reach out and tell us uh, that we're doing a good job. And more importantly, like why? Yeah. Why are we, yep. what made it, what what fit you? What yeah. hit you? That's yep. that's rocket fuel. So I, and, and then on the flip side, I've just got a first time listener that texted me and he said, and this is Paul who owns Alpha Graphics. And if you have any printing needs or anything, Paul is just a fun person to work with. Paul, Van Veldhusen is his last name. Mm -hmm. I sometimes struggle with the last name. Agenda. So Paul's Paul's a good friend, really fun guy. Uh, but he just sent a text uh, listening to the Matt Jensen episode and uh, just said, thank you for, oh no, I said that. He said, listening to the podcast, first time listener, the one with MJM. Nice work. So appreciate, nice. appreciate you, Paul. Huge, huge deal. So we appreciate all the likes, all the subscribes, all the comments on Apple, uh, we see them all. And generally, if we know who you are, we're going to call or text you uh, on why that is uh, and why we're so thankful that you would do something like that. So to take time out of your day and spend it with us is a huge privilege. We're honored. We're going to 
we're going to always try to be better, bigger, you know, more wonderful experience for you. So also, if you have some constructive criticism, we're all about that. So if there are things we can do better, if there's topics we haven't hit on, it's not because we haven't, like, we're not trying to, it's that we haven't thought about it. We're not, we're a couple monkeys that just are kind of making it up. <laughs> yeah. We're shooting from the hip a lot of times. So. Exactly. So exactly. speaking of things that we've had a lot of positive feedback on. Yeah. Sioux Falls Finest is one of those things. We've had a lot of great feedback yeah, on Sioux yeah. Falls Finest. That's so funny. Um, you know, I made up the name yeah. because uh, a group of, of, of high school buddies and I, we called ourselves RC's Finest. That's what we called ourselves. <laughs> awesome. Like if we were, if texting was a thing, that would be the group text. It'd be called RC's Finest. Okay. So my turn for the topic. So yeah. my topic this week is going to be retail. And I know Ben's not like a super shopper, yeah. shoppy type. So yeah. I'm going to give you a little bit of an out and say retail slash customer experience okay. as of late. Okay. So a couple things I, w- I want, uh, Ryan, I want to clarify what Ryan said. I'm super loyal to some brands and they're national brands. So they're not Sioux Falls finest. So I'm not going to shout those guys out. Yep. Yep. Um, so there's a couple things. Guys, if you want some quality work pants, and you want to you want to pay what I want to pay, which is about twenty bucks. Go to Costco. Yeah, baby. That's I good. love Costco work pants. I'm wearing Costco pants right now. They they fit me great. Wonderful place. Again, not Sioux Falls finest, but a wonderful establishment here in Sioux Falls. Now, one that is a re- they're they're more regional, becoming more national. But they've I feel like they really cut their teeth like North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Iowa. My favorite retail shop not only for my kids but for myself here in sioux falls customer experience i think is like in terms of retail doesn't come anywhere close shields it's very good shields is my spot like it's got the outdoor stuff that i need i buy all my baseball equipment from those guys because i trust them Uh, i buy i bought a lot of fishing equipment there Uh, i really want to buy a pedaled kayak yeah yeah. i like to buy it from them but you know the prices at shields you are, you know, they are what they are. They People are know are. that because you're going for the experience. And what, I mean, it's changed significantly. I'm not sure if you remember Sioux Falls back in the day when Sioux, when Shields was actually still in the mall. Do you remember that? Remember no, that? no. Shields was in the mall. I'm sure that you're right. Well, I am right. Same with, same within Rapid City. And now it's not that. Yeah. Now it's, it's, now it's, uh, now it's truly an experience. Um, okay. So there's a Ferris wheel in the place. There's a Ferris wheel and a airplane hanging from the ceiling. So that's great. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful place. It's an experience. Um, okay. Right back at you, Ryan. What is your, uh, retail, uh, favorite retail or customer experience? You talk a little, uh, talk about some on the episode. Yes. So great outdoor store. So my wife and I just celebrated our 11 year wedding anniversary. Favorite number, baseball number. Yeah, babe. Yeah, Yeah, babe. babe. Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe. Uh, so we we went to a few different places downtown, but we went to the Great Outdoor Store. It's downtown. It is maybe one of the neatest places. The the clothes are really. I I just really enjoy the the atmosphere and the people there. So, um, yeah, Great Outdoor Store. The Mine. only the only reason I would want to make a million dollars, like to have a bunch of money, is to just go into like a Great Outdoor Store <laughs> and and completely rebrand my clothing. <laughs> Meaning, like, I could just go in there and be to like, reset. All right, yeah. I'm going to completely throw away everything I have, yeah. and I'm going to spend $100,000 here <laughs> right now and completely re-outfit myself. I think because, they'd be in favor of that as well. Because I could, that's how I roll, dude. Yeah. I'm yeah. earthy tones. Yeah. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm into fitness and, like, being outdoors. Yeah. So I, that's, yeah, great, great, great store. So we have a great guest today. I'm going to get back into that because yep. good. Uh, nice I had transition. Some feedback from you earlier before we started from <laughs> that I'm laying on. Uh, so we're going to get into our guest here, uh, Barry Sackett with Guzman yeah. Law Firm. He's a just a very eclectic person, very neat guy. Yeah. I work out with him. Ben has had some dealings with him in the philanthropy world. So this guy is very into Sioux Falls, very into the communities that he's serving. So really neat guy. Loves biking. Loves running. Loves his family. Um, great dude. So. Yeah. It's a great episode um, because Barry's vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, he talks a little bit about his mom. He talks about uh, some fight with alcoholism. Uh, talks about why being in the trade uh, of of lawyering. Uh, and I think he's going to you know change some minds on people that, that do law on a daily basis, why they do it. Uh, I think he's going to 
make an impact. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. And here we go. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Mandate Podcast, a podcast where we encourage people towards deeper relationship through meaningful conversation. A podcast where you'll get to know people from the 605. Here's our latest episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Mandate Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Ben Krush. I am here, as always, with my main man, Ryan Pros and Cons. Cons. What's up, buddy? Not much. Ben, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, on location today, again, we've been doing a lot of location podcasts lately. lately. This fun. one's kind of special, though, because uh, we are at the corner of 69th and Western here at Gooseman Law. Uh, law firm is that what we would call Guzman it? Law Firm. Yep, Guzman Law Firm, uh, and this is a street that I take uh, quite uh, religiously. Yes, uh, I live not too far from here, uh, and so I'm either going east, west, north, or south. At this, I see this beautiful location all the time, and this is my first time being in it, and this is special. The first time I was in this building was when they had the ribbon cutting here. Gorgeous building. They did an excellent job. So kudos to Guzman Law Firm for. Uh, this great setup no doubt no doubt um how was the weekend we're coming off a weekend we're, we're recording on a monday typically we don't do that so anything special good weekend has my anniversary on saturday so whoop, whoop. we know what happened there so i had a great time dinner with my wife be careful we walked around we are a pg podcast we went shopping to prim downtown mm-hmm. uh there was not a men's section they don't have men's section but they have great ladies clothes so you bought some ladies clothes you know, for the weekend wear, of course. For that night. So uh, so we shopped before we went to dinner. We went to Crave for dinner. It was fantastic. Very good. Very good. Sushi? Uh, yeah, I had the Godzilla roll. <sighs> Pam had the salmon salad. So good. Had a rum Manhattan. It was excellent. Very tasty rum Manhattan. It was just a little cool, so we sat inside looking outside, which was which was good. Um. And then we walked around a little bit. I had, I had actually grabbed a slice from Pizza Cheeks because everybody talks about Pizza Cheeks. Mm-hmm. In the Did back you enjoy of it? High. Yeah. Very good. Very good. And then we went to the Great Outdoor Store after that. Man, you guys just totally just, we just worked Sioux yeah, Falls downtown. Yeah, it was fantastic. We we did we had had a great time. So great. How about you, Ben? We had some, we had some very good friends come in from Mankato. Good. Uh, good. It's one of Sarah's best friends. They met in elementary school. They've been friends ever since. Very tight friendship. Awesome. Uh, and her husband, uh, who played some basketball at a couple institutions in and around the Sioux Falls area. Uh, so we are very good friends. So we did like the Sioux Falls touristy fall things. So we went out to the Apple Orchard, uh, which uh, is... Uh, an expensive uh, but very fun endeavor. Good, right? Good, good. If I own the property, that's what I would charge too. Perfect. My wife made that very clear when I was <laughs> complaining about that, um, and so she made a great point. Uh, and then uh, his name is Parker. We went and played uh, some Twilight Golf over at Prairie Green, so got about twelve holes in. Oh, great! And Parker, if you're listening, I absolutely beat you real, <laughs> real bad. Like I was on fire. I played a really mean game of golf. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. So it's not like you're competitive or anything. No, not competitive. You know I'm not competitive. So today we've got a great guest. Yes, we do. We've got Barry dear friend, dear friend, dear friend to friend. both of us. Yes. yes. I met Barry uh, through Lawn, right? Yeah. Because we yes. had Lawn yep. on, and then Lawn posted our episode, and Barry and I met each other. He's very active on Lawn's uh, LinkedIn page. Uh, active and, in general, quite frankly. Right. Yeah. But I appreciated that. Yes. You. Met Barry at CPM, CPM Fitness morning morning workouts, so. which we get. That's kind of a theme for our we have our had podcast. A, we have, we have a, a lot of CPM people. We here. do, so we do. Clearly, they're creating quite the community. Yes, Annie uh, and Chris, don't be afraid to allow us on your podcast. Yes, please, because you've been on ours. Yes, that's right. One of their for one of our first guests when you and I started doing this. That's together. exactly right. So, shout out to CPM Fitness, Barry. Welcome to the mandate podcast long time coming yeah thanks guys for having me uh it it, it was crazy because i knew ben for a while and we'd met and talked about podcasts i'm a i love podcasts listen to a lot of them travel quite a bit and then ryan and i got to know each other working out uh had coffee one time uh you know got to know each other even better and then one time i I looked at the at, at uh your linkedin 
and both of you were sitting together. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> these guys <laughs> these guys do this together. That's exactly right. And then it just all kind of wrapped in and, and uh, we got together and said, hey, let's let's sit down and talk about stuff. Awesome. So Barry, why don't you introduce yourself as just what you do, what you're about, what, what gets you going? Sure. Well, um, I am a, a lawyer, a transactional lawyer, um, hopefully the good kind. Uh, come from uh, Northwest Iowa, uh, grew up there, and then went off uh, to the East and West Coast for a while, and then came back 2007-ish with uh, my wife, who I, I brought back from California and convinced her that uh, everything was a beautiful summer's day. In, uh, in January, she, she said, what are we doing here again? <laughs> yeah. But she's still here. She, uh, uh, so we, we were in Okoboji for a number of years and then moved over here to Sioux Falls. Um, I'm with uh, Gooseman Law Firm. I'm an owner here, uh, head of their transactions department with, uh, with one of my partners down in Omaha, Andy Simpson. Um, and I've been practicing law for a long time in a lot of different areas, uh, in-house for a number of companies on the West Coast, um, but uh, since 2007, back here in the Midwest, um, helping people uh, get stuff done. Uh, that's, that's what we focus on. That's what we do. Uh, we, we represent a lot of mid-sized businesses, so we say 10 to $100 million companies, uh, their owners and leadership in both their personal lives um, and how they operate their companies. And uh, we're 32 attorneys. We have offices in Omaha, Sioux Falls, Sioux City, and Spirit Lake. Now, Barry, you have not been in Sioux Falls for a majority of your career. You're pretty new to Sioux Falls, but it hasn't taken you very long to jump into philanthropy things and being involved in the community. Um, and, and we're going to get, obviously, more into that. Um, another thing is that you did a TED Talk, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. The one thing that I do not want to miss, though, is that you were on an episode of Seinfeld, and I think we'd all like to hear that part. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, yeah, that was that was a neat experience. So uh, I've got uh, I've got four siblings, uh, two older brothers, younger brother, younger sister. Um, my brother Morgan, who's just as he uh, mentioned this weekend, we're Irish twins. He's uh, just a year older than I am. Um, Moved out to Los Angeles right out of undergrad and got a job in the in the mail room at Castle Rock Entertainment, um, which the older folks might remember was who started Seinfeld and a number of those things. And so he got on early first years of Seinfeld. And I was uh, actually studying in Europe during law school, and I came back through Los Angeles, which I, I'm not quite sure how that makes sense, but at the time it did. And uh, they were shooting an episode. And he said, hey, you want to be in this episode? Of course, what's your answer to that? Yeah. <laughs> and so it was the, uh, the episode, if you're looking for it, it has Fred Savage in the scene. So uh, Kramer has gone off to California to uh, try to sell his treatise or treatment on, a, on, on something that he'd written. And he sees Fred Savage in a, in a coffee shop, and he makes quite a Kramer-esque scene of knocking everything over uh, to get to him. I'm the guy with really long hair in the middle um, reading a Rolling Stone. So I sat there and drank the same cup of coffee for about three hours um, to shoot this 15-second scene. And I got paid 100 bucks, so I'm a professional actor in nice. that sense. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, my brother, and I'll brag on him a little bit, has gone on to win a number of Emmys as a producer of shows like Parks and Recreation and The Good Place and Veep. Um, hacks, uh, he was just up for. So um, it's uh, it's neat to to kind of be famous, uh, you know, in uh, next to him. Um, but uh, he really kind of came from the same place we all did. You know, he took that that Midwest work ethic um, and he took it out there. And it's amazing how powerful that can be in other places uh, that that they don't they don't do things the same way. And uh, he's a dreamer. Uh, we might get into a little bit of that with me, too. Uh, it was installed uh, in us by, uh, by our folks. Uh, you know, we can do it, uh, whatever we can, we can dream up. So, Barry, uh, first of all, another shout-out to your brother. If you are a Good Place fan, they have uh, a wonderful podcast that accompanies that, uh, that show, and he's predominantly on that show. Like four or five episodes, he's a guest uh, to talk about 
an episode specifically or a location or a concept. Uh, I've listened to him a couple times, and he's he's first of all very very well thought out. Uh, clearly cares about the the content, the character uh, characters, but most importantly, kind of the overall vision uh, of the show. Uh, he really cares about you know where we're going and why we're going there, and he just greatly articulate. Yeah, you know, he's he's partnered up with Mike Shear, who's just an amazing uh, creative genius, uh, SNL writer, you know, early writer on The Office and, and really the creator of those shows. And and Mike kind of dreams it up and writes it down and then Morgan makes it happen. So, uh, you know, The Good Place had giraffes. Where do you get giraffes? Well, Morgan figured out where to get giraffes. You yep. know, it's just one of those kind of things. Whatever needs to happen, happens. And uh, um, it's it's pretty cool to see it work. Yeah. Okay, so um, we need to talk about Barry. Uh, first thing I want to do is what got you into law? Why did you think you could make a difference there? Um, where did that motivation come from? Uh, and and then second, how does one get to Europe to study law <laughs> in law school? I get it in undergrad, but law mm-hmm. school, I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah, well, um, so how did I get to law school? I uh, I kind of started law school when I was zero years old. Uh, both my parents were attorneys. Both my grandfathers were attorneys. Um, so I always, I always say I went to law school to figure out what my parents were talking about. Uh, and then once I got there, I'm like, God, I don't want to know all these rules. This is such a drag. You, got, you, you know what you're doing wrong all the time. But no, seriously, it's, uh, you know, it certainly runs in my family as far as that goes. And and uh, I didn't really practice law in, in the traditional sense for a number of years out of law school. I, I was in-house. I've also got a finance background, so I was uh, a dual in-house counsel, CFO or controller for a number of different companies, um, which gave me all kinds of fun experiences and knowledge and not fun experiences and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, I guess the, the younger folks, you know, take your chances, uh, learn learn from wherever you get put in the game, uh, learn that position because you might have to come back to it someday. And even if you don't, uh, you know how it works uh, when it when it needs to happen. So, um, yeah, and then Europe, uh, I went to the University of Iowa, uh, undergrad in law school. I also got my MBA from, from Minnesota, so I'm a little bit of a gopher, a bit of Hawkeye at heart. Um, and uh, Iowa had a program that uh, they took a couple professors over and got a, a professor from France and had a program in southern France in Arcachon, right, Bordeaux area, for a summer. Um, and so I went over and, and studied law there, and it was early EU, and it really is kind of fascinating now looking at where the world is and, and what I learned back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't the hardest, I'll be honest with you. We drank a little more wine than we did uh, study, but yeah. uh, that, that was part of it. Yep. So uh, when, you th- when you thought about being a lawyer, um, like when you first started law school, when you got into law school, and then when you got out, did that idea of what your profession or your niche within law, did that ever change? It did. You know, it's interesting. I, when I, I went to Iowa City, I went down and I was going to be a poli-sci kind of pre-law major. And uh, at the last minute, I changed to a business. So I got finance and econ as an undergrad. And, um, you know, and, and I was always going to do a joint JD MBA program because I, the business side of life and understanding how things happened and how things worked was was always very interesting to me but um you know i i see how the law interacts with that and and where those things come together and so i had the opportunity uh to do a program at iowa and got my law degree in a couple of years and so i did that and then i went off and and really worked in business for a long time um after that and then came back and realized that i could practice law in and, and still uh, satisfy the curiosity that I had about business because now I get a, literally, I mean, I get to go from cryptocurrency to, to chickens, to eggs, to real estate, you know, within a couple of hours um, every single day. And I get to learn about all these different businesses and help people operate in their business. Um, so, 
you know, I figured out that that's what I love to do. And it may uh, be a little bit of my ADD as far as not uh, being so focused on one thing. But, um, you know, and, and we'll talk more about this later. But, you know, really what my stock and trade is, is building trust. Um, you know, the question I, I try to always ask myself, I don't know is I always get it asked before I open my mouth and something comes out, but will my next action create or destroy trust? And if it's going to destroy trust, don't do it. Um, because that's not the business I'm in. Uh, and we've got litigators here that, uh, you know, maybe take a different tact on that question, but as a transactional attorney, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to get people together to get things done. Mm -hmm. So one of our previous guests that spoke a lot about cryptocurrency, so much that we had to actually do two parts. Crypt Kyle Pickner, of course, Correct. because he but really into it. But I know that you two are friends and have done some great work together and just um, bringing some legitimacy to like cur 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 cryptocurrency um, in that world. So I know that's something you're very passionate about and, and building trust in that world's gotta be quite a challenge. That is a challenge. You know, I, I'll just do a, a quick plug on that. I mean, Kyle is is the way smarter than I am as far as cryptocurrency. And, and uh, I always say I'm never going to be the smartest in, in blockchain or cryptocurrency, but I will hopefully be the smartest 53-year-old guy in the room. But, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, kids that are growing up with this and can understand it in a different way, uh, it, it may be beyond me. But um, we looked at, uh, at South Dakota and its opportunities that it, they've taken advantage of in the past. And you look at credit cards, for example, you look at the trust um, industry that's here in South Dakota, for example. And the way that, that we've taken advantage of those things is we, we can get to the governor's office in a couple of phone calls. Um, we can get the important people in the state together in one room or on one Zoom call pretty quickly. And so, you know, there is an opportunity coming in, in blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. Um, there's already good industry here, people that are active here. Um, and really saying, okay, how do we get a voice and, and start talking to our legislators and our regulators and bringing people together so that, that, you know, we become an industry. And tying it in, for example, with the Trust Association, who is dealing with issues as it relates to, to blockchain and cryptocurrency as we speak. And so we created the South Dakota Blockchain Institute. Um, and uh, that's been, been a, a neat experience. We've uh, partnered with Dakota State. Um, they've got such a great reputation in cybersecurity and in technology in general. Um, and so we, we've brought a, a good group of people there together, and you'll hopefully be hearing more about us as that continues to develop. And that also allowed me to get into the, uh, the State Association of State Blockchain Associations or, or something like that. I, I should have, have that down a little bit better. But basically, other uh, organizations throughout the U.S. in a similar position. So what are they doing on a state level as it relates to to banking, to insurance, um, to trusts, uh, and, and cryptocurrency and blockchain. Um, so it's it's a great group of people that understand that this is coming and, and we've got to figure out what, what ways we're going to deal with it. And as I tell my young attorneys, um, you better figure this stuff out because it's, it's coming. Um, and uh, we can either be behind that curve or ahead of it, and, and I guess I hope we're, we're trying to stay out of it. All right, Barry. So uh, one thing you talked about during your law school experience was going to France. Yes. <clears throat> and wine. Yes. I know a part of your story involves some alcoholism. Uh, and I think that's what uh, is going to build trust with the people, with our mandatees. Um, I think that's a very prevalent thing that's happening here in South Dakota, kind of in the Midwest, uh, where we mask it in like, hey, let's go down, you know, start at the local breweries and see where the night takes us and next thing you know we're blacked out on our couch not something we should be really proud of so uh obviously there's probably some experiences there can you walk us through kind of where that motivation started um and then where it took off and then you know was it a one day you woke up and was like i don't want to do this anymore or was it a you know a culmination of experiences or was it if you don't change, this is going to change scenario? Just talk us through that entire experience. Well, that is a long story, Ben. But uh, I'll try to I'll try to do a cliff note. I uh, 
I'm an Irish Catholic. I got uh, four siblings. Uh, so, I mean, genetically uh, probably started there, certainly socially started there. Grew up in Okaboji. Um, I assume most of our mandate listeners have, are somewhat familiar with Okaboji. Um, it's still known as a party place, but uh, when I was a kid, it was it was even probably a little heavier than that. Uh, my oldest brother, Murphy, uh, still has his name on a bar over there called Murphy's, which uh, kind of gets going about 11 o'clock at night and goes till 2. So, you know, really, I started pretty young in, in that that was okay. Uh, you know, my folks had a, had a keg on tap in our, our house, and they had a lot of cocktail parties and dinner parties. Um, I got to Iowa City, which is also... Um, relatively well known as a bastion of having more fun than you should. Um, and I was kind of like, well, this isn't even as bad as Okoboji. But I, uh, so, you know, certainly alcohol was a, was a big part of who I thought I was, you know. I mean, it was how I communicated with people and how I got out of all of the other things that later in life I discovered I had, you know, through, through therapy and some other things, but, um, it didn't, uh, it didn't happen quickly. Uh, you know, as a good alcoholic, I, uh, did a lot of things to, that I thought were wrong in my life that didn't have anything to do with alcohol. So I did, as we called geographics, I, I moved, I moved out to California. I moved within California um, different people, um, certainly lost good relationships that I had and found others that probably weren't as good of relationships. Um, so, you know, to, to kind of get to the end of that story and I could go down the drunk log of a lot of that, but, um, I, uh, got to Los Angeles, uh, two of my brothers who were in the movie business lived there. I was living with one of them. Um, and you know, I had, in some ways, you know, I'd, I'd gone to Hollywood parties with uh, stars sitting next to pools, and, and I didn't have any fun at all. I mean, seriously, like sitting there thinking, well, it can't get better than this. And if this isn't satisfying, then there's something really wrong here. Um, and, you know, the night that uh, last drink I had was actually went to a party at a uh, a bunch of girls had graduated from Cornell and they were liquor distributors and they lived in a penthouse and it was, you know, again, kind of, well, you can't script this stuff. It's got to be the best, right? And uh, got really drunk, um, went to the wrong uh, door in my apartment building and knocked on a door and uh, a woman answered who knew who I was because I was from the same apartment building, but said, hey, this isn't your apartment. And um, she ended up calling the police and, uh, they came and talked to me. Luckily they had bigger problems in Los Angeles than me. Um, but, uh, that was the one that, you know, finally pushed it over the edge. And there was a whole bunch of stuff before I got to that, that point. Um, you know, and, and knock on woods that that's 18 years ago. Um, and, uh, that journey continues, uh, you know, sobriety is something that, uh, that has to be the most important thing for me every day because without it, the rest of the stuff doesn't happen. Um, and, uh, you know, the interesting thing is I, I have moved, uh, a couple of times since then. Um, you know, the sobriety community is, is everywhere. Um, I literally have been in, in meetings on, six continents, um, and, uh, sometimes not in English, but, uh, you kind of get the gist. Um, and, and so anyway, you know, there, there is, uh, the thing about sobriety is it hasn't changed. It's funny. I see all the different liquors and how people drink now. And, and of course it's different because you've got to market, right? I mean, you're, you're going to, you're going to be very inventive in how you market it. Um, sobriety, you know, we, we don't market it. It's not, it's not any better or different, but there's some promises that are made, um, early on in sobriety. And if you listen to them, I guess I will just tell you that for me, they came true. Um, and you know, what my life is like now is something I never, ever in my feeble alcohol ridden mind could have even dreamed of. So, um, you know, that, that's something that'll always be 
it'll always be a part of hopefully you know again but it's one day at a time and and yeah. today i'm here to tell you it's uh, it's a good way to go that's a huge deal huge deal barry can you can you walk us through one of those promises i think i think people need to hear this like people need to hear why you're doing what you're doing obviously it's for personal health but but some tenets around sobriety um are, are pretty large and looming. Uh, looming is the wrong word. They're large and they're contractual uh, with other people, but more importantly with yourself. Uh, and I think people need to hear, like, I think it's a giant step yeah. to, to walk into sobriety and be like, man, I've had enough, but I, man, I don't think like I should go to AA. I don't think it's that bad. Or I don't think I need therapy. I don't think it's that bad. It's like, no, I, I think wherever you are on the spectrum, if you're even thinking about it, like talk to someone yeah. that's, that's gone through that. That's right. Um, and those people are going to probably talk down some of these giant steps that you think, these right. assumptions you have, and they're just little steps. So can you walk us through maybe a, a smaller step of if I came to you and I was like, Barry, I uh, blacked out over the weekend uh, and I don't want to do that anymore. I felt like garbage on Sunday and my kids, I don't want my kids to see me that way. What are you saying back? Well, um, you know, this might be a good example. I, I've been active in the lawyer's assistance program here in South Dakota and in other states where I've practiced. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget there was a, there was one attorney who was a county attorney, um, you know, very successful. And uh, a lot of people had come forward and said, there's there's an issue here. And so had a meeting with them and, you know, very smart person and had an answer for everything that we brought to him. And so at the end of that, I looked at him and I said, okay, well, you know, if alcohol's not a problem for you, then stop. And they couldn't, they couldn't respond to that. That was the only question that they, they didn't have a lawyerly response for. Um, and if, you know, if that's where you're at, if your if your brain is thinking why you should drink and you're you're in that conflict with yourself, um, you know, and and I guess the the promises that have come true for me is you know now I get to deal with a lot more um, nuanced conflicts that I have in my life. Uh, you know, I a relationship with my wife, a relationship with my kids. Because, you know, I show up for my wife and kids in ways that, boy, I'm like, why did I say that? Why did I do that? And now I can step back and, and take that apart and say, oh, this is why I did that. Because when I was a kid, you know, my dad yelled at me for the same thing. But I hated it when he yelled at me. So why am I doing that? Why, why is that important to me that my son takes his dirty clothes off the bathroom floor today? I mean, it's, it's important, but it's not something to get to that level about, right? And so that, of, of all the promises, I mean, certainly, as was said about me in my drinking days, I was undateable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I might have been a good time, but, you know, nobody was going to stake any claim to me. Um, so certainly I wouldn't have been married or had kids or, or any of those things. And, you know, I was fairly high functioning. I mean, when I was, when I got sober, I was a CFO of a company, but, um, you know, that wasn't sustainable either. I mean, you know, I was, I was stretching that as far as I possibly could. Um, but really this, this ability to kind of every day, um, you know, get a little bit better you know, to, to trudge this road of happy destiny is something that we say, and it is a trudge. It's not easy. It's something that you got to work at. And, and my experience is you don't work it alone. Um, you know, being there and helping somebody else is the way that this thing works for me. Um, you know, showing up and listening to somebody's story, how they make it through today you know, how they deal with a tough thing. Um, and, you know, then taking that and saying, well, geez, what I was worried about in anything compared to this, or just, you know, being instructive. They didn't get upset. They didn't throw off the handle. They just sat and took that in and, and moved forward with it. So 
Very good. So you're a very active person now. You love to run, bike, uh, obviously functional fitness and C with CPM. Is that something that you've always done or is that within the last 18 years that you've gotten more into that? Well, you know, I grew up again in a, in an active family. Uh, you know, my dad went to Iowa state on a track scholarship. So we always ran, I sailed on Okaboje, I still sail over there. Um, surfed, skied. I lived in Lake Tahoe for a while, but, um, you know, after I got sober, there certainly is a, a daily, um, you know, part of my life that I, I didn't have in the same way. And, uh, it was interesting. I was driving home from work, uh, when my wife was pregnant with our daughter, um, who was a couple years younger than, than our son. And I'd remembered when, uh, when she was pregnant with our son that I put on 35 pounds because I had to eat ice cream with her every night. I mean, that course, was my yes. husbandly duty. Of course. Right? Of course. Very kind of you. Yes. It was, I did it the was. same thing. You're yeah. gaining 35? <laughs> I'm gaining 35. <laughs> they do lose it faster, though. They do. Yeah. All of a sudden, boom, you know, 10 of it's gone or whatever it is. Um, so I was listening to NPR and, and they, uh, there was a story about a woman who did a running streak with her nine-year-old son as a way to bond with him. And... And she talked about this association of, of people that uh, run every single day. And so I thought, well, geez, I'm going to do that. And I'd, I'd been a runner before that. But I said, I'm going to start running every single day during this pregnancy to keep me from getting 35 pounds. And so I called my brother and sister, who were also both runners. And they said, sure, we'll do that with you. Sounds great. I think my brother lasted about three weeks and my, my sister lasted about a month. Um, and I've been running every single day since, um, so my daughter's 14 or no, 12 years old. So it's 13 years. Uh, it'll be 13 years. I'm sorry. On November 4th wow. that I've run every, every single day. So mile minimum, but probably average five miles a day. Um, and so that kind of changed my focus from doing a whole bunch of different things to getting more focused on, on running um, and, uh, did a bunch of marathons kind of early in that spit, uh, qualified for Boston, ran Boston the year after the bombing, which was still one of those things gives me goosebumps thinking about, uh, the start of that when they asked for a moment of silence and literally 15,000 people gone. And then, uh, you know, some fighter, um, some fighter jets flew over and, uh, yeah, that was, that was cool. Um, and then, uh, after that got into ultra marathons and so run 600 milers and, uh, a bunch of other crazy adventures all around town. And, uh, you know, that group of people, the, the trail running folks, uh, are, are special. Um, they've all got a story kind of like you guys. I mean, you, you, you could go and mine that for days as far as interesting people with interesting stories. So, um, yeah, that, that's been kind of what I've been doing a lot of, but still, still bike a lot, still sailed in, uh, in Yingling nationals this year and won a race, which was pretty fun. Um, but, uh, but running is what I do every single day. What, what requires that discipline? Why do you require that discipline, Barry? <clears throat> well, um, you know, I, I think when I didn't have that discipline, um, you know, and I, I would, would never say that I have that discipline all the time, every time, but every single day I get to push a reset button. Um, and you know, I mean, this morning I, I've also got dogs, which are in the best athletic equipment you will ever get if you, <laughs> if you want to exercise your dogs, cause they will be there every day. Um, but you know, having that daily mental reset, um, you know, I've gone through a little bit of an injury in the last year where I haven't run quite as much. Um, and, and I am getting older and, you know, maybe one day I won't be able to run every day. And, and for a while I used to really be afraid of that. Like, Hey, I need this, but, um, you know, the process of sobriety and the process of developing your emotional maturity and all of those things, I think, I think I could handle it. Um, but this summer I, I rode my bike a lot instead. So, I mean, I, I, I still, uh, I still need, uh, I need something, you know, and, and again, what's my brain chemistry and why am I required to do that? I'm not there yet. I'm not, a, I'm not a neuroscientist, but, uh, I kind of know what works. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what works for me is I wake up in the morning. First thing I do is put my shoes on and I walk out the door and I go for a run. 
And I've never been disappointed that I did that. Yeah. Not once. Yep. That's so good. So I think from there too, um, that's really given you a lot of motivation into the civic duty piece of, of your life too, and kind of things that you're looking forward to and pushing on with bike trails and those types of things. So, um, first of all, maybe talk about where that civic duty, where that comes from, that passion comes from. And then also maybe just talk about a little bit about what your big audacious goal is. Yeah. Well, so, um, you know, I, I think again, going back to being a lawyer and who my parents were and who my grandparents were, um, to be a small town lawyer takes, you, you get a lot of privileges being a lawyer. I will just say that right here. As a lawyer, we have rights that non-lawyers don't have. Um, but with that, you, ha- you should, I guess, I feel that you should take on the responsibilities that come along with that. And being a small town lawyer means that you're the guy in town that they say, how do we do this? You know, what are the steps that we need to take to make this right? Um, and so I, I, my mother was, uh, was the chief judge of the Iowa court of appeals for 28 years. Um, she unfortunately just passed here in the last couple of weeks and we had her memorial last weekend. Um, so brought a lot of what she did and, and you look at the obituary and you just go, you did all of that and you had five kids just boggles the mind. But my dad was the same way. He was on boards and, and just did things. And so that's what I did. I mean, it was a little bit follow the leader, but once I got into it, I realized how important that was to me and, and how powerful it was to talk, sit in a meeting or sit in a conference room like we're sitting in now and talk about how this thing is going to happen. And then 10 years from now, look back and realized it did. Um, and, and again, because I've been doing this for a while, I, I now can look back and kind of see the mechanisms that actually made that happen. Um, and they're not one thing. They're not one person. Um, although I will say one thing and one person can stop those things from happening. Um, and and uh, my grandmother had a, a saying that, that people have poweritis, that they, they happen to be in one place where they can stop something, and so they do for that reason. And sometimes that, that is malicious, and a lot of times that is, um, you know, a fear of failure or, or just not the ability to understand what's, what's going on. And so, you know, for me, that's my job is to help either get those people out of the way or, better yet, get them on board um, to do things. So... You know, I guess one of the one area I'll, I'll focus on is the is the Dickens County Trails Board. I was a member of that for a long time, and again, uh, hopefully, those that have been in Okoboji have enjoyed the trails over there. Um, we're one of the only counties in Iowa that had a specific trails board. Um, most of them are kind of under the Parks and Rec or, or conservation boards. Um, and we've got a unique place, and so that's kind of why that happened. But as as part of that. We've brought, uh, we bought railroad right of way that goes all the way to, over to Sibley. Um, we're now connecting down to Spencer. We're connecting up into Jackson, Minnesota. Um, so my big audacious goal that uh, I, I put out to everybody I, that will listen to me is, is to get a trail from Okoboji to, to Sioux Falls. Um, you know, there's, there's great little towns between here and there that uh, are, are fun to, to be in. Rock Rapids and Sibley and uh, Inwood. Um, but to get people out and connect to those places, you know, that's for me one thing that really is, is valuable in trails is it connects you to, to where you are. And I moved to the perfect place because Sioux Falls trails are just really, a, a, you know, a, the circle, the way that you can go all the way around the city and get in and get back to where you started. Um, needless to say, I'm a, I'm a big advocate. I'm out there all the time. I was out there this morning. Um, I'll, you know, you get your bike and, and you can get around it in an hour and a half or whatever it might be. Um, so that that's definitely a huge passion of mine here. But as I mentioned before, uh, you know, bringing blockchain to, to South Dakota is a big passion of mine. I was fortunate to be a page in the Iowa Senate when I was in uh, high school. Um, I worked in D.C. Uh, 
um, on the climate change issue way back in the Clinton administration. Um, I've done a lot of lobbying and advocacy for my clients uh, at both state and federal levels. So again, I, I, I understand the political side of it, but I think the most important part, particularly when you're looking at trails and, and civics things, is, is to bring all of the parties together. And when I say all the parties, they can certainly be the, the elected officials, but to get things done, you probably are going to need outside money. Um, and that outside money can be marshaled in a foundation, um, in a nonprofit that's interested in that, or from very successful or, or philanthropic individuals. And I've been very fortunate to work with some amazing people that, that have found great fortune in their lives and, and really turned their efforts to give that back and to put that back in places that are meaningful to them. Barry, um, first of all, very well articulated. Uh, the thing that I think uh, people are going to want to hear about is just a short sentence in there that you talked about. You talked about you just lost your mom, yeah. and that's a really big deal. And it's someone clearly you've made very, very clear during the podcast how much she means to you. So I got two questions. Uh, the first one is when you think about your mom, and not in a not in a funeral setting, like maybe a couple hours after you let it digest that she had passed away and you think about what she meant to you, so legacy. What does that look like? And then the backside of that question is then, what do you want your kids to think when that day comes for you? What, what does legacy look like for Barry? So start with your mom. Well, um, wow. You know, Certainly, the legacy that you will hear about my mom is um, she was the only woman in her law school. Um, she was the only woman to take the Iowa bar the year that uh, she she took it. She was the first woman to be the uh, the head of the National uh, Appellate Judges Council. Um, she was a pioneer in the legal profession to, to bring women into that profession. Um, I am partners with Gina Guzman. Uh, Gina has fearlessly, um, I, I, you know, I say fearlessly, but I know her well enough to know that there's, there's some fear there, but uh, not something that she isn't courageous enough to walk through. Um, she believes that, uh, you know, to practice law and to give good legal advice, that's gonna come better from a diverse population of attorneys. Um, they're gonna see things that, uh, you know, old white dudes, which I am one, um, are not gonna see. Uh, and and they're, they're not gonna represent you in the same way as somebody that's got a diverse background. And so, you know, that's part of, that's that's a, a reason why I'm here with Guzman Law Firm, um, because that's a focus that we have um, to to bring uh, women, minorities, uh, you know, sexual orientation, a any any different way to look at things, uh, bring that into the legal realm uh, to make sure that they're represented and treated in a fair way. But at the end of the day, just to be better lawyers. Uh, to really be better problem solvers, because when you have perspective, you have a better way to do that. So that got away from me talking about my mom, um, because, uh, you know, as you said, it, it's fresh. Um, she, was, uh, she was a person that, uh, and I shared this at her funeral, you know, she never answered me with an answer. She answered me with a question. She challenged me to say, okay, well, you know, what do you think? You know, not that this is the answer. And I thought, well, gosh, it's great. I've got an appellate court judge. I can just go answer, ask her any question. And she never gave me a one, but she sure helped me find a lot of them. Um, and so I, I hope that for my kids too. You know, I, I hope that they, um, and I hope that I'm getting better at letting them be them. Um, and, uh, that was tough. Uh, I, I know all parents go through that, you know, that you, you've got this idea of what your job is as a parent. 
and you've got no on-the-job experience at all, so you suck at it. <laughs> and eventually, you keep running into the same wall a hundred times, and you say, "Gosh, I got to do this different." And and for me, with teenagers, that looks like, um, you know, not telling them what to do, uh, leading by example. Um, you know, hopefully, they want to hang out with you, right? <laughs> you're doing cool things, or or you're nice to be around, and you're not harping on them. Um, and I'm proud to death of them. Uh, you know, certainly there's things every day that I wish they would do differently, but I've kind of quit doing that because it's not productive. Um, it's not helpful for me to to point those things out. Um, and she didn't either. I mean, she was certainly a uh, a mother that taught us how to swim by throwing us into the deep end of the pool. Um, you know, and I mentioned my two brothers who are movie producers. My sister is, uh, just got elected as a board of supervisor in Marin County, California. She had been an attorney for a number of years, but she decided that, uh, this was a better use in civic use and everything else that we'd talked about. And then my oldest brother's a, a captain out of, uh, San Diego. So he takes fishing charters and sailing charters out of San Diego. So, you know, we, we all got that uh, sense that we can go out into the world and do what we want. And so I hope my kids do that too. Uh, you know, my daughter's talking about going off to England to high school, and I'm like, gosh, I'm not ready for that yet, right? I, I would love to keep her around longer, but at the same time, if that's what she's going to do, then that's what she's going to do, and I'm going to support doing it. So, um, yeah, that's, I guess, what I hope, Ben. That's really, really well stated. Uh, the one thing I'm getting... I'm hearing loud and clear from you, Barry, is uh, your mom had, she gave you a lot of space to be yourself. Uh, and that's a tremendous parent quality, is to not fit our kids into boxes, uh, but just let them find which box is theirs and then let them explore that box. And then if it's not a good box, like give them another box. Right. And go check out another box. Like don't, life doesn't stop here. Like there's so many opportunities for you to be great. Uh, and it sounds like your mom did that for you. Oh, she so, did. Yeah. Wonderful lady. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Ryan, you got anything to end us out? Because uh, we are at the end of our time. That happens quick, doesn't it? Yep. Uh, Barry, I'm just really uh, excited for you. Proud of the things you're doing. And I'm excited to see where this goes with the trails. So, uh, and thank you for the, tra- I mean, we, we've actually enjoyed the trails here in Sioux Falls, of course, oh, yeah. like Barry has, but my wife and I actually have done some training on the trails in Dickinson County as well. She ran a half marathon there. Um, and so thank you for all the work that you've done, uh, wherever you're at. Just, I think this is a really good example of somebody who's just wherever you're planted, just blossom. So, yep. yeah. Well, and, and I'll, uh, Herman Richter, who you, you, and some of your listeners may know he has three sons over in Okoboji and he always says, it's amazing what we can get done when you don't care who takes credit for it. Yeah. And so I, I don't want to take any credit for that. I was happy to be part of the group that, that got them together. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you guys for, for what you do and bringing these kind of conversations. I was nervous about what the heck are we going to talk about? And now it disappeared and there's 10 yeah. things that we didn't talk about. So yep. um, you're doing great work. Thank you. Thank you. Well, maybe a follow-up episode as well with this one. Absolutely. So, Barry, <laughs> there's going to be some people that want to reach out to you, uh, whether I, I would assume for one of two things. One, um, it's always good to have a lawyer in your back pocket uh, and just know someone that can answer some questions for you that you might have. And then also, I really hope that there's some people that want to jump on on kind of your mission, uh, which is to connect Okaboji and Sioux Falls, but really just to create a, a an opportunity for people to be outside. And sure. it's a great opportunity to do that when you have wonderful trails to do that in. How can people get a hold of you? Well, I mean, certainly look me up at Gooseman Law Firm. My email address is sackitb at gooselmanlaw.com, but uh, our website is easy to find. Um, we've got a great uh, marketing and, and client development uh, group that we're pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, like you mentioned, Lon and, and uh, you know, Normal 40 and, uh, and maybe you guys will, will tie up some things together. Um, as far as, you know, the group, I've, I've talked to the, the mayor here some. Um, we've had meetings with the, the Lyon County folks. Uh, we've, we already have a relationship with the Osceola County folks. So those are the two counties between Okoboji and here. Um, but the Dickinson County Trails, uh, Aaron Reed is, is their executive director, and she's amazing. Um, she's a big reason why we've been su- as successful as we are. 
So uh, anywhere along that line, um, I can certainly hook you up. And you know, and the other thing, I'm gonna. I, 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 this is a guy I'll pitch to you guys because he's uh, he's an amazing guy here in town. Uh, a guy by the name of Lance Smith, um, who uh, I do all kinds of crazy runs with. And uh, he did a, a very special run last year um, relating to uh, one of his son's friend that committed suicide at, at Harrisburg. Um, and so you can always find me on his YouTube channel because uh, I go on these crazy adventures with him and, and he throws up stuff. Um, but the running community here generally um, uh, is also a, a great group, uh, 605 and, and all those guys. And the guys, along with the mayor that just ran across the state, yeah. which 437 project, 437 yeah, special one. Yeah, it's good stuff. So you can always find me running. Um, I'm, I'm uh, running uh, a race up at uh, Blue Earth, or not Blue Earth, uh, uh, oh, by Laverne, uh, Blue Mounds State mm-hmm. Park here on the 15th. Uh, that hopefully we'll be running for a day or so, but we'll, we'll see how long it goes. Um, anyway, so, or, you know, so that, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me, uh, you know, get a hold of me through Gooseman and, uh, hopefully be glad to meet you at CMP or wherever else we might be. Very good. Awesome. We'll see you next time on Mandate. Mandate does not exist without your continued support or the fact that you, KPP, keep pressing play. Another great episode of the Mandate Podcast is behind us. But here's something you can look forward to. Check out next week's podcast. Also, like and subscribe. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. Find us on Instagram at MandatePod. Or send us an email, mandate.pod at gmail.com. Who knows? We might reference your email or call you out in episode. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash mandatepod. There's three easy ways to support monthly basis, and all of the funds go right back into this podcast. KPP, keep pressing play. See you next time on Mandate.